Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. kick things off. So kia ora koutou. Uh, it is great to be with you this morning. I'll be back with you, as I should say. Uh, my wife and I visited a few years back when you were at Stanmore School, uh, and we visited some friends uh, uh, who were celebrating the dedication of one of their little ones. So amazing to see so many more of you and be part of that beautiful, beautiful time of worship. Just how I like it where I can't hear my own voice because I'm a terrible singer. So um, yeah, we are back. Uh, we've made the trek from the other side of the bridge, uh, been inspired by all the runners as we came across, uh, came across this morning. Uh, and with me are about five of the team from CAP. So it's good to be with you. It's good to be sharing on the series in money. Uh, and my hope is that as I share about the work of Christians Against Poverty, as I tell stories of people, that wherever you are in your worldview or your understanding of poverty and finances, that we would move a little bit closer to God's heart for the poor. Great. So as we pick this topic up this morning, I'll just share a little bit of my story and some background and context for you. So um, before joining the team at CAP, I guess I was no real stranger to poverty. I was brought up in Tauranga and the Plenty. Go the Bay? No. <laughs> Okay, the Naki, okay. Some, some, for some people, that would have really resonated. So, yeah, anyway. So I was brought up in Tauranga. I was born and raised in a very, let's call it a very working-class setting. And so my memories growing up uh, of my mum packing an extra lunch for me to take for the boy down the road that I walked to school with. I can remember sitting there and uh, going on school trips and my friends not coming because they hadn't paid their school fees. And then I got my own taste of what it would look like to live under the burden and the pressure of poverty when I was little. See, I didn't spend most of my life wondering where my next meal was going to come from, and I never really went without. But at about the age of 10, our family lost uh, everything through a business deal that went bad. And at that age, I found myself having to answer questions from my friends around why we had moved from a three-bedroom modest house to a one-bedroom granny flat and why my bedroom was now a garden shed. And at that age, I viewed it as an adventure. I was the only one I knew that got to sleep with a lawnmower. (laughs) And so whilst it was an adventure for me, it was a time for my parents that was marked with darkness, with struggle, with challenges of mental health. And we were some of the lucky ones. We were privileged enough to have family around us to support us, uh, to encourage us, and to help us take steps out of that situation. And so a few years later, as my situation changed yet again for the better, my friends still didn't have lunch. They still weren't joining in on these school trips. And I didn't understand why mine had changed and theirs hasn't. You know, and so we can talk about poverty in terms of numbers and in terms of policy. And at times that's helpful and maybe even useful to try and understand. But at the end of the day, poverty is all about people. So this morning, I'm going to tell you some stories of courageous people. People who have been helped by the local church and by Christians Against Poverty. Stories of the church 
reaching out to people in transformational ways. But let's start by looking at some scripture. Now turn with me if you've got your Bible, turn with me if you can. Uh, We're going to pick things up uh, with Jesus telling a story. This is in Luke 10. Uh, It's the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So this is Luke 10, uh, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Side note, how much of an awesome question is that? You know, we're doing a series on money. You guys have been talking about consumerism. I understand questions of what do I need to do to pursue eternal life? We're not talking about that today. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replies. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who was my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after them, look after him, he said, and and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's a great story, isn't it? So let's unpack it just briefly in this context. We have, in Jesus' time, we have Jericho. It is a city, it is an oasis It is near the Jordan River. It is wealthy and it is busy. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was heavily trafficked by salespeople, by worshippers, by tradesmen. It was a 15-kilometer journey, uh, 1,000-meter descent through dry desert land. It was known among the locals as the Way of Blood. So if you had to return to Jericho from Jerusalem, along this dangerous path, you would be thinking about the need for food, water, proper clothes to survive the harsh conditions, the sun, the heat. You'd be thinking about the need to protect yourself, staying in a group and keeping moving as you came to narrow passes, often lined with caves where robbers would be hiding. So with that picture in mind, put yourself in this Put yourself in this parable. Imagine you're walking along this road. Up ahead, you see a heap slumped on the side of the road. 
You notice a, a priest, a holy man. He moves out of his way to avoid the body. Behind him, a Levite takes a closer look, but steps over him and continues on. Now, Jesus doesn't say and he doesn't tell us why they didn't stop. It may be because they didn't want to become ritually unclean by touching someone who was left for dead. It may also have been a strong sense of self-preservation. Stopping here meant risking your own life because robbers could be hiding in the shadows, waiting to ambush their next victim. And suddenly you notice the Samaritan, someone who was considered an enemy of the Jews. As Jesus tells this story, he says the Samaritan was moved by compassion for the Jewish man who had been beaten, stripped of all his clothes, and left for dead. And whenever I read this parable, I'm struck by the Samaritan's extravagant care. It is truly extravagant. He ignores danger to himself. He kneels down and takes care of this man's immediate physical needs. He enters into his pain, his suffering, and he brings a healing touch. He cleans the man's wounds and bandages him up. He puts his own cloak around him, loads him on his donkey, finds the nearest place on a dangerous stretch of road, and he gives two days' wages so that the man is fed and cared for. And then he promises to cover any further costs to his recovery. By responding how he did and when he did, he saved this man's life. And who was being a neighbor to this man, Jesus asks? Was it the Levite or the holy man? No. It was the one who showed mercy on him, the one who showed compassion. And so what does this mean for us today? got some beautiful slides right here. Just picture them. What does this mean for us today? The reality is that poverty robs people. It strips them of dignity. It rips them out of community. There are families in our nation, right here in your community, who have been left on the roadside in Aotearoa, battered and beaten down by poverty. It's often caused by debt and generational cycles that seem impossible to break. They may be people we know or see every day, but often it's the people we don't see, people we assume are okay, people who put on a brave face. It's Emma. Again, beautiful slide. A cap client who is struggling to find work, living in a garage with her young son, with no one to turn to for help. She felt like a failure and a bad mum. It's Sia, another beautiful mum who is trapped in an endless debt and repayment, creditors phone calls, and left wondering if life was even worth living. Their situation looks something like this. Imagine that after paying all of your bills, you have just $60 each week, that's $8.50 a day, to feed your family of five. The amount many client, CAP clients are trying to survive on when they make that first call to us for help. But if that's all you have, and if it's a cold week, and you decide to leave the heat on a little longer, you're now choosing between feeding your family and keeping your house warm. So you skip a meal, and soon this becomes your pattern. CAP clients tell us that was the norm. Two out of three skipped meals on a regular basis. There's absolutely no extras 
uh, sorry, no extra for basics like car maintenance or school fit trips like my friends or for school fees. So you choose to borrow a little extra to put food on the table, to fix your car so that you can get to work. The interest starts to compound. The repayments make the days and week even harder. You're tired, you're hungry, you lose your temper, you fight more with your family, your sense of belonging shifts, and you withdraw from people because if you can't put gas in your car and if you can't bring a dish to a family get-together, you stay home. Over time, your identity is shaped It's shaped by your loneliness, your feeling of failure, your helplessness, your fear, perhaps even depression. And there's shame from social... Is my mic all right? Yeah. There's shame from social stigma. It says, you're not trying hard enough. It says, it's your own fault. You made those choices. It's hard to hear, but one in four cap cap clients tell us that they considered or attempted ending their life before calling for help because of death. You know, if we, if we look back in Luke, in this book of Luke that we were reading this parable in before, if we go back to Luke 4, just a bit earlier on, Jesus shares um, and announces his public ministry. He picks up the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and says... says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He goes on to say that this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He is saying, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. I'm here with good news for the poor. I'm here to bind up the wounds. I'm here to heal the broken hearts. I'm here to set prisoners free. His very actions were always moved and guided by compassion, just like we see in the story of the Good Samaritan. His heart was turned towards the lost, the hungry, and the poor. Today, there is an enemy who wants to rob people, who wants people to be defined by their struggle and trapped in their poverty. But Jesus came. Jesus died and he rose again to release people bound by pain, hopelessness, into a life of fullness, freedom, and joy. Amen? And he called us his church. He empowers each of us in this place to enter into people's pain, to respond with compassion, and to bring his freedom and transformation. The fact is, the New Zealand government can and does help. Social service agencies have a big role to fill. But the local church is well-placed to take care of people both practically and spiritually. And this is where CAP comes in. Over the past 11 years, Christians Against Poverty has partnered with hundreds of local churches throughout New Zealand, acting as a bridge into the community, helping people love their neighbours who have been left on the roadside of Aotearoa. Today, CAP offers ministries that help people get out and stay out of poverty. But more than that, they are ministries built on a model of compassionate, holistic care that welcome people into community and introduce them.
Back in 2008, we began with cap debt help. It reaches people who are in poverty because of unmanageable debt. These were the snapshot stories I shared of Emma and Sia just before. There's a whole team of people from local churches who visit clients in their homes after they've made that first free call for help. They get to know families, take care of those immediate needs like putting food in the empty cupboards. They pray with families and go to, go to them saying, you're a good mum, you're a great dad, you're doing an amazing job. They gather all of the bills and debts and they send them back to the CAP head office where the team advocate on behalf of over 500 CAP client families daily. This team negotiate with creditors. They get interest and payment lowered and they build livable budgets so that clients can begin paying back their debt at a rate they can afford. The CAP team work with people across their two to four year journey to repay their debt, supporting them through the changing life circumstances. And the church provide holistic care, inviting people to church, fixing cars, mowing lawns, looking after kids, wrapping clients up in the complete support of love and care. CAP also works, as Matt mentioned before, to prevent poverty with a top of the cliff approach called the CAP Money Course. It's a three-session money management course run at the church for anyone who wants a better understanding of their finances, whatever age or life stage that you're at. The course itself is run in a group environment where people can support and encourage each other. It's an empowering and it's eye-opening. A delegate told us the other week that before they took the cap money course, they used to get to the end of the month and think, who spends all that money? It allowed them to be proactive in their planning instead of looking back every month. It allowed them to save more, to give more, and gave them a sense of control that they hadn't had in the past. In the last nine years, more than 13,000 people have completed the CAP Money course, learning how to budget wisely and plan for their future. This is the ministry that's kicking off again uh, in just a few weeks. Monique and Caitlin, Peter and Francis, um, We'd have a slide right now. I'm sure the details are going to be on the website. Uh, But they're kicking that off at the Stony Homestead Community Hub in Millwater. And that's going to be kicking off on the 12th of November at 7 p.m. and run across three consecutive weeks. So seriously, wherever you are at in your journey around finances, don't miss an opportunity to get some great input. It really is for anyone, and it provides great common language in your marriage. Amen. What I love about the CAP services and what I love about working with the church is that together they provide a platform for hope. And hope is powerful. Hope doesn't start the day that someone goes debt-free. It starts with a prayer when someone first calls for help. It starts with someone showing up and saying, we're here to help. You're not alone anymore. It starts with the knowledge that people have value, that there is a God who loves them and has so much more for them. Now, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, We would play a video, but I'll do my best to summarize it in a minute just to get us a glimpse of exactly what that life-transforming help and hope looks like. But before I do that, I want to mention this book. It's called Nevertheless, and yes, we're giving it away for free today. Free lunches, free books. It's a good day to be at church. This, This book is the story of CAPS founder, John Kirkby. It's a story around how he went from total financial ruin to starting an organization that, have, that has helped tens of thousands of people in five different countries around the world. 
how at his lowest, a local pastor knelt beside him, entered into his pain, and introduced him to Jesus. Now, I first picked up this book um, just after I'd applied for my job at CAP seven years ago. And I thought to myself, whoa, what on earth am I getting myself into? This guy is nuts. But it has inspired me. It has challenged me time and time again. His relentless heart of compassion to face the struggles that people have in our community. His faithfulness in God, that God will move and answer prayers when we give him everything we've got. So if you want an inspiring read, please come see us. There's a table out in the foyer, uh, and we'd love to swap you some details for that book called Nevertheless. Now, there's a, there's, I wanted to play you a, a story of Sia. Um, we're going to make that available on the, on the web um, and have a link afterwards. Uh, it's also on our website. But uh, the story of Sia is a story of um, a beautiful mother who, um, her and her husband with two kids, found themselves in a situation where they were searching the couches looking for coins to buy food for their family. They were under immense pressure and burden, being hounded by creditors. She called for Cap, and in her words say, I had nothing else to lose. And she told us that when Chris, who was the local centre manager, came to her house, she said it was like an authoritative figure had stepped into her situation. And she instantly knew that things were going to start correcting themselves. Through the conversations that Chris had with Sia, she told uh, Sia about this man named Jesus and how much he loved her. Sia ended up inviting Jesus into her life, and she told us that it felt like she was being welcomed home. Last year, Sia went debt-free, and you should see her now. She has Jesus in her life. She's gone debt-free. She's got a great job, and she tells us that her marriage has never been stronger, and she's teaching her kids the skills that she's been learning. Look, I can't do that story justice. I really can't. It is beautiful. And every time I watch the video, I was watching it as I was preparing for this talk, it reminds me around why I do what I do. So please, if you get a chance, check out that link. Um, and and, and uh, yeah, you will be moved by that story of Sia. See, when people are freed from poverty, when they discover who they are in Christ, everything starts to change. There is a ripple effect to the next generation. I mentioned Emma before, the single mum living in a garage. Well, she went debt-free back in 2015. And since then, she's gotten married, she's found a great job, and she's teaching her sons the principles she learned through CAP. You know, these are just two stories, again, that I can't do justice. Two precious families who have been helped. In the past 11 years, CAP has been working with churches in Aotearoa. More than $78 million of bills and debt have been repaid by clients or totally written off. $78 million. 1,728 people have gone completely debt-free. And CAP never pays a dollar along the way. It is the clients who do the hard work. And just like Sia, 1,259 people have said yes to Jesus. That's 1,259 people who are growing in relationship with Jesus. You know, that is what excites us. Every day, people are being set free from the bondage of debt and poverty, stepping into a life filled with hope and freedom. 
this is the power of the church. You and me. This is what happens when we give our time, our resources, when we engage in extravagant compassion to our neighbors who need it most. So how can you respond today? First, if you've heard yourself in any of these stories, if you're struggling, come and talk to the team after the service. Grab a brochure or simply visit capnz.org to find out more. CAP's help is completely free and there is help and hope for you. If you know people who are struggling, please take some brochures away and you can give them to your friends as well. If you think that you could do with strengthening your approach to budget or finances, especially given the year that we've had this year, come and sign up for the CAP Money course kicking off on the 12th of November. We've got a rego form uh, and a clipboard at the back there. Secondly, if you've been thinking, I want to help my neighbours right here in Whangaparoa and Orewa, come and grab a copy of Nevertheless. Be inspired. Come and talk to some of the team and find out more. Finally, if your heart has been moved by compassion for families in Aotearoa this morning, if you want to create lasting change in people's lives, would you give regularly to the work of Christians Against Poverty and help the next family like Sia or Emma? This is one of the most immediate life-giving ways to love your neighbor as yourself. This past week, 25 families called up for help and were booked in for an appointment in just four days. We know that this coming week, there will be, there will be the same amount call in looking for help, making that brave first call. They want to begin their journeys out of debt, and these are mums and dads living in desperate situations. When you give, they'll receive free help and support for as long as it takes for them to journey out of debt. So $5 a week, the price of a coffee, $20 a month will make a life-changing difference and join with thousands of New Zealanders who are giving what they can on a regular basis. It takes just three of us, each giving $33 a month for one family to receive the free full help that they need to work towards their debt-free day. There might be one or two of you here. You might be in a position to give that $100 a month and journey alongside one precious family. Will you give that today? Of course, our heart is for the church. So if you aren't being generous to this church, Coast Vineyard, in the way that you know that you should, please, would you give to that first? Would you give to cap above and beyond your giving to this local church? But if you'd love to help the next family who calls for help, come see the team in the foyer afterwards. Grab a form, sign up. If you're watching online, you can text CAPNZ to 818 and you'll get a link to give securely through Pushpay. So as you consider how you respond, as you consider how you respond to today's message, let's just take a moment to reflect and then I'll close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for your extravagant compassion. Would we, as your followers, would we know how to live that out in our day today? We pray for the need that there is in Aotearoa, this place we call home. Would we be able to love our neighbors as you would want us to this morning? Jesus, we praise you and we give you the glory for these stories that have been shared. We pray that these people would continue to, to grow in their understanding and knowledge of who you are. 
God, would you move and would your kingdom come in this nation? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for having us this morning, guys. Uh, It has been a real privilege and an honor to worship with you. So I look forward to catching up with you guys in the foyer afterwards, uh, and we'll see you there. Kia ora. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.